Howdy, eggs. Welcome back to Aggie Growth Hacks, the podcast sponsored by the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M is dedicated to highlighting fast-growing Aggie entrepreneurs, learning how they overcame growth challenges with creative growth hacks, and connecting them with other entrepreneurs in the Aggie network. I'm your host, Greg Martin, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 2001. And I'm your co-host, Chris Hunter, Fighting Texas Aggie Class of 1998. Whoop! Well, we got a little story for you, Ags. Jared Pollard, president of Wildernecks Wildlife Control, has grown his company, wrestling one alligator and one pesky critter at a time, to all the major cities in Texas. And he is looking to expand outside of the Lone Star State. So pass it back and listen up to Jared as he shares some good bull. I first met Jared a couple of years ago celebrating one of his Aggie 100 wins. So Jared, I've really loved so much getting to know you during that time and learning how you really have taken this industry and, and elevated it. And so thank you for spending time with us today. Welcome to the podcast. And we, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thanks for having me on. Well, Jared, we, we all love AM and we all love being on campus. The last time that we actually saw each other, you know, pre COVID was actually celebrating one of your Aggie 100 wins. But what is your favorite Aggie memory? Man, uh, does anybody really narrow this down to just one? It's really, really hard to do. You know, a couple of key things that stand out to me is, is one, you know, silver taps and, and Aggie muster and just that love and respect that every Aggie has for other Aggies um, is, a, is a real special thing. And, um, you know, I, I have been to those where, you know, it's, it's even more personal where it's a friend that is, is being recognized. And, um, so that those will always be, always have, and always will be, you know, very treasured, special memories to me. But then, you know, another one, just on a personal level, like I gotta say, I eat ring day, you know, there's nothing better there than go. that day, the anticipation leading up to that. And, uh, I actually had a science lab that I was in. It was kind of a late afternoon lab and it was it was encroaching on my ring day time. So I was kept trying to get out of class to get the TA to let me go. And I did. I think I finally left early and I literally ran across campus to go get that's awesome. That, Love it. That, that's great. It. I think uh, that this past Aggie Ring Day, uh, not that not that this has ever happened, but someone posted on Facebook. I wonder what the drop rate of students are after you get your ring. <laughs> so just something to think about. Yeah, yeah it's I a special agree. deal to get. I totally agree. Totally agree there. So, Jared, can you tell us a little bit about Wilderness uh, Wildlife and really wh- what do you what do you do? What is that? Yeah, so Wilderness is a nuisance wildlife control company that we trap and catch, remove nuisance wildlife for people, whether that's residential homes or businesses. We're going in and, and capturing the nuisance animals and nuisance wildlife to get get into their homes: okay, raccoons, squirrels, rats. Bats, honeybees, alligators—you name it, we we take oh. care of it. <laughs> alligators, gators, oh man, yeah, we we'll do it all. And uh, we we employ a team of wildlife biologists that are degreed wildlife biologists. So you really get a team of experts that can come in, diagnose the problem correctly, uh, and find the custom fit solution to solve that problem for you. And um, you know, big focus of ours is just that professional honest, friendly, professional wildlife control. We want to deliver the best service we can for people and uh, do it with what I call an old school style of customer service. So how in the world did you get into doing that? (laughs) Yeah. So I studied wildlife and fisheries management at Texas A&M and, um, you know, not necessarily knowing exactly what I was going to end up doing. Um, You know, my 
opportunity plans kind of changed, I guess, after graduation. But I did. I got on board with a a nuisance wildlife control company that was a pretty good size, um, reputable company. And uh, that's where I kind of got my feet wet, worked my way up through a middle management position with that company and uh, learned a lot. Great group of guys there, great company that, uh, you know, kind of mentored me and helped grow me. And um, it's where I kind of got some of my rough knowledge of, you know, business operations and, and how to make that work, kind of become more business minded. And then that company was bought out. Uh, at one point and uh, by a very large parent company. And I was on for a little bit after that. But then, you know, as things shifted and changed a little bit, then, you know, eventually led to the opportunity for me to to start Wilderness in 2012 and uh, grow that from there. Okay, Jared. So you started in 2012. What what historically, when you look back in the last couple of years, has been one of the biggest challenges to growth? Because you, you're all over the state of Texas, correct? Yeah. So we, you know, we started just in Houston, and it was just me, and uh, you know, building relationships, looking for business, and and just scrounging up jobs however I could. You know, one of the challenges that uh, I've faced as we've grown um, has always been what I call growth hurdles. You know, for me as an independent was, you know, starting in 2012, I did as much work as I could, but I'm also having to do all the data entry and the bookkeeping and the counting and the taxes and, you know, learn to read the publication 15 from the IRS, which is a challenge. So, you know, just that learning all like those so things. sounds like so much fun. <laughs> it, it's great. And um, still don't understand it. But, you know, you, you hit these points where you're just bottlenecked and, um, and, and you got to figure out how to overcome those hurdles. And, you know, thankfully in 2014, then my wife helped me with my first bottleneck and she left her career. She had a great oil and gas career, but she left, she came home, started helping with a lot of the back end work, which freed me up a lot to focus more on the field work and, um, be able to produce more jobs and, and sell more and, and grow the business more outside, which then led to me needing more help in the field, which meant hiring the first employee, which is another hurdle of how do I maintain my own work, but also train and manage someone new. And, you know, and that just goes back and forth as you, you grow and add enough field personnel. Then it became, okay, when do we hire our first office personnel? And then we jump that hurdle and then you grow more field people. And then we needed our second office personnel. I've added field managers along the way in each city that have helped a lot. I'm hitting a point now where they're bottlenecking and I've got to overcome that growth hurdle for them. And, and figure out how to uh, alleviate them of some of their duties and then allow them to focus more on, on training and managing. So Jared, how do you, when you have these growth challenges, these growth hurdles that you have, do you read? Do you talk to other entrepreneurs? Do you huddle up your team? How do you develop a plan to overcome them? Yeah, I think originally it was more so just kind of what I, what I've seen work through the years, what I, what I kind of personally just anticipate the best way to approach it. But as we've grown now, it's a time where I can really lean more on my team because I've got some great people around me, you know, and even had one of those meetings this morning with one of my managers of, you know, kind of figuring out where, where we go and, and what we can change and what's good, what's bad, what can we make some changes on to make this look better and grow better. And so that's that's where now I really do try to use that team around me, and we, we all put our minds together. And we'll, what can we accomplish together? What can we decide together? I have a question for you. You know, all businesses have fundamentally changed, some more than others. You know, in this past year, with the challenge of COVID, you know, has presented to every single business worldwide. What's been the most surprising thing or challenge, really? You know, that you've had to overcome in the past year. 
Yeah. So thankfully for us with COVID, we were an essential business. And so we were able to still operate fully. Um, so that was great. Not that it didn't have its hiccups along the way of, um, you know, losing somebody for, you know, potential exposure or them having COVID. So we may lose somebody for a period of time. We did have to adjust, figure out some extra PPE and extra precautions. How do we make our clients feel comfortable? We're coming into their homes after all. You know, yeah. we really had to lean on what the customer desires, what they're comfortable with, and what do we need to do to make them feel safe. And so sometimes that was contactless service. Sometimes it was doing away with paper service tickets and going with contactless, you know, emailing receipts and tickets and things like that. So, uh, you know, we did what we could to adapt. I think one thing uh, that it did impact us is just kind of from a, a networking standpoint, because uh, we weren't able to be out networking and meeting other people and business relationships and things like that, like we have in past years, because everybody's locked up or they're at home or office is not open. You can't go into the office or whatever it is. So that networking was a bit more of a challenge, which, you know, kind of changes strategies a little bit for marketing and advertising and making sure leads and, and new jobs are still coming in, um, which we were able to still keep and maintain. That was definitely something that, you know, it, it at least opened my mind to the idea in this past year that we really want to make sure that you're well diversified with your lead generation coming in. I mean, we, we've even seen a, a whole cancel culture come up and, uh, you know, like we, we don't use Facebook advertising heavily, but, um, you know, if, if that's what your sole business focuses on and then Facebook decides to cancel you or whatever, then it's gone. What, what do you have to lean back on? So that's kind of been a, a refocus for me in the last year is, is how to diversify what leads are coming in from where. So I'm going to I'm going to lean into that one a little bit here because I am a marketer. I'm, I'm curious what what channel right has has worked the best for y'all for lead gen for your business. You know, our our, our bulk is internet, paid advertising and, and things like that. That's really our bulk, you know, which which can be quite costly. But some of our best leads are word of mouth, you know, and that's where the the customer service comes in that we just want to deliver, you know, the absolute best top-notch customer service we can, because that's what keeps people talking about us and referring us to friends and family and neighbors and coworkers and so on. So it's finding that platform that you can allow your customers to sing your praises and not have it come across, you know, slimy or, or pushy or salesy. So what are some things that that you see within your industry, Jared, that that are really changing? I mean, has COVID impacted your industry much? And and if they are, then how are you going to capitalize on that? I haven't seen it change it a whole lot because of um, that's the unique thing about wildlife and and even you know the pest control industry for for pest control companies is these things have always been here you know and they always will be they keep making babies <laughs> yeah so you know the the rats are always going to be around and it just doesn't matter they're going to outlast us and you know what I've always found because I've I've worked through other economic situations before, downturns in the economy, recessions, whatever. You know, while you do have, you know, hurdles and things to overcome, I always just take them on just like we did did COVID and tell our guys we're, we're not going to participate in the recession. You know, we're not going to participate in the downturn. We're going to keep doing business as we do and just continue to make it work because the raccoons don't know that COVID's going on and they don't know there's a downturn in the economy. And we're always 
people are affected. Our clients can be affected. If oil and gas turns down, sure, we see that happen in Houston. It affects, we don't have as many buyers that are ready to buy a full protection plan from us because maybe they're they're facing 10,000 layoffs at their job. But there's always clients out there who need our service and are willing to pay. And so we we proceed as normal. So you know, I don't know that there's been major changes in our industry because of it. One thing I have seen our industry kind of evolve towards is you know a lot of people that have a lot of companies that have your forefront person that's your sales rep that comes in, diagnoses everything, sells the job, and then you have the work crew that follows up. And we try to stay a little different than that with a personal touch where we have the team of wildlife biologists and that's your expert and they're your person start to finish. So they, they're the one that talks to you on the phone, finds out what you have going on. They diagnose it for you. They set up the appointment. They set up the traps. They run the job. They seal the entry points, make sure you're, you're animal proofed and nothing's getting back in. I mean, they're your go-to point of contact start to finish. And people like that personal touch. And that's where we can give that that direct customer service. Um, and, and I always say we want to be the Chick-fil-A of the wildlife industry. Yes. You know, it's, it's incredible what Chick-fil-A has accomplished in the fast food industry. I mean, with teenagers working the counters and stuff, it's just, it's incredible. Yeah. And I think most fast food board members would tell you it couldn't happen, but they've made it happen and it's incredible. And you see the draw, like people are drawn to it. And so for me, that's my thing. If we can create a, an atmosphere that people are drawn to, in a personal level service that people are drawn to, then that's that's what sets us apart and makes us unique. It's definitely that next level culture, which is the reason why you have multiple Aggie 100 win trophies behind you. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. And and, and the whole Chick-fil-A reference, you know, I, I was actually talking to my kids about that this morning on the way to school about how different that they are and how disruptive that they've been to the whole food industry. They're closed an entire day every single week, but yet they're outdoing everybody by leaps and bounds. So. Yeah. And I think they've grown to like number three on the list for U.S. fast food companies. And that's having far less locations than McDonald's or maybe Starbucks who are above them. It's, it, they really are. They're an incredible model. And, and I think something for, you know, as other business owners, whatever industry, it's something to look up to and, and try to emulate, you know, you, you, you deliver that kind of customer service and people are drawn to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that really leads us into our next big question, which is, you know, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? And it kind of almost sounds like that's your big, hairy, audacious goal there. Yeah. Be the Chick-fil-A of the wildlife industry. That's it. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, our goal, we started in Houston in 2012 and 2017, we expanded into Austin and at the end of that year into Dallas, Fort Worth. 2019, we started San Antonio. Our goal is to just continue to grow and saturate these Texas markets um, and, and really make those stable areas. Um, and, and then we, we do want to look at other states and continue pressing outwards. Got to keep growing to make Aggie 100. So, you know, we got to keep working on that every year and try to solidify getting in there. You know, but yeah, that's that's our goal is just keep, keep growing. But even as we get big and grow, not lose that family feel both internally in our company. Uh, between our people, but especially to with our customers. Well, Jared, that that's great wisdom, and I think that that's something that all entrepreneurs need to need to remember as we're going through it. And we'll pause right here and say thank you to this episode's sponsor. And we're back. Okay, Jared, uh, time for our lightning round. What is one hack, whether it's a 
personal hack, a business hack, something like that, that you do that you find effective and our listeners can start doing? You know, I think this can be used personally or with work, but it's just something I use to keep myself focused. And it's just uh, the, the saying that uh, some of your favorite tasks are often the least productive and uh, some of your least favorite tasks are the most productive. Uh, but it's it's just a way for me to kind of stay focused on on what is important. It might not be the thing I want to do the most, um, but it might be the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. So next question, what is one book, podcast, YouTube channel, whatever, that you get a lot of value out of that you can share with the uh, Aggie Entrepreneur community? Yeah, I, uh, I'll go with a book. It's a book I've had for a long time, and um, I just kind of one of those books I constantly keep out and refer back to and look through, especially when you kind of need something for some insight. And it's called um, Patton on Leadership. And it's a, it's a book about General Patton. It's about basically somebody that has reviewed, you know, his history and, and studied him and his, uh, his efforts in, in the war and then relate it to strategic corporate warfare. And so they, they basically take sayings from him and his demeanor and personality and things he did and how that transfers over into the business world. So it's a lot of leadership management uh, style material to help you kind of run and manage and lead other people. One of the greatest military leaders uh, in, in our country's history. So that's, I personally, you know, and I know both my connection and Chris's connection with, with the military. So that that's a great, we're going to have to check that one out. Yeah, you'd, you'd like it. There's some good stuff in it. So Jared, who is someone in the Aggie Network that you just want to, you just want to give a shout out to? You want to say thank you? I think all of us know the Aggie Network's value, but who's something, someone that you want to say thank you? Yeah, the Aggie Network's incredible. And I really, I'd I just like to thank uh, the McFerrin Center and the Aggie 100 program because it, it's been a big blessing to me and my family, our business, to have that recognition. Uh, there's the fun and the thrill of it all, but then there's, you know, all the connections and, and networking that comes with it. Um, you know, we get people that, you know, see the logo on our trucks or our website or they heard we were in it. And, and that's enough for them. You know, they, they, they just call us and they want us out. It, nothing else matters. Like we're their people because we're in that, you know? So I, I just appreciate what they do. And I know a lot, uh, a lot goes into putting that on and, and recognizing all the companies every year. And I, I appreciate that. Nice. Love it. So how can the Aggie network get in touch with you and support you moving forward? Sure. Our, our website is uh, wildernex.com. And um, my personal email is simply Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at wildernex.com. And I can be emailed or uh, there's all the contact info on our website, contact forms, phone numbers, email, whatever. So I've got one last question that I'm going to throw at you that is not on our list at all. We didn't send you this, and this is just completely off the cuff. What is the craziest animal that you guys have trapped and, you know, had to wrangle up? You know, the thing that gets the most attention is the alligators. They just, yeah. they just draw a lot of attention. The most famous alligator that we got was the one that got into somebody's home during Hurricane Harvey, which you, there's a, there's a that you'll see it, but it was a, a nine foot two alligator inside the guy's dining room, underneath his dining room table uh, over an umble. So after the, after Harvey, uh, the homeowner came in with the crew to gut the house and they're kind of just walking around inside the house and the worker kind of nudges the guy and says, Hey, is that thing real? And there's just this dinosaur <laughs> laying there in the dining room. He's uh, yeah, I wasn't here before. So 
jammed a hole in the wall and and this gator helped himself in while the water was up and seated he was still there hanging out in the house so no thank you i, I think you just sell yeah. the house and move on yeah yeah Only so no. <laughs> we pulled that one out yeah. and i think his abc 13 in houston was there videoing it and wow it, it just exploded i mean by a friday and by you know six o'clock that evening it's on abc world news is going around the around the country good morning america and even internationally it's hitting uk daily mail we heard from people from wow. All over the place, just that, hey, we just saw y'all in the news. So that was That's a famous alligator. So Chris got a bonus question. I've got a bonus question. So you you talked a lot about the culture that you have and, and, and that you're growing. Did you find that going to the different cities and being geographically distant stressed that culture or put strain on that culture? Or how were you able to manage Geographic. Yes, to some extent. Dallas Fort Worth area, um, that problem was solved because when I uh, started Dallas Fort Worth, I took the second employee that I ever hired here, um, his name's Taylor, and he's an Aggie. And he started working for me here in Houston. And uh, as he, he grew, he started in 2016. So then in late 2017, he's from the Dallas Fort Worth area. So it's a natural fit. I had him kind of move back home and help our Dallas-Fort Worth area. So he was able to carry and still maintains the same, you know, wilderness culture, you know, in him and in all our Dallas-Fort Worth guys. So that part was was really easy. Austin, when when that started, was, you know, a little more of a challenge. Uh, it required, you know, my presence there a lot. Eventually, the circumstances led towards, again, taking a Houston guy who was here and moving him to Austin um, last year to to help continue to mold and grow um, that wilderness culture there. And he's great. And he's doing a good job of building that culture over there as well. Um, so, you know, that's key to me is, is getting the right people in the right places because the wrong ones can reach you up and then take them, groom them, train them and develop them and just drive that culture into them. So while we have you, right, my question is, and it, and it kind of leans a little bit more into that whole Chick-fil-A culture, you know, what, what you're talking about there. And so how do you actually create that culture, even from the very beginning, right? How, how did you, and I understand on moving to different, different cities and so forth, but how did you start that culture? How does it still remain what your original vision was with your company? Yeah. So I think it's just all the little details. So, you know, from, from the time people first call us, it's, you know, I had a first impression outside of what maybe they see if they see our, our website or something like that. First interaction with us is calling the office and talking to one of our office ladies. And so, you know, that's how we answer the phone with them, you know, here. So the first interaction, the first level of customer service is here in the office. From our office uh, personnel, they receive all the information from the client, send it out to whoever the wildlife biologists in the fields assigned for their territory, and then it, it continues to progress from there. And it's it's a lot of little things, just like you know that we want to be prompt. We want to get back to them quickly. We don't want them waiting six hours to hear back from somebody. We want to ideally they're they're called in five to 10, 15 minutes by our wildlife biologists in the field. But you know we we kind of an hour window is sort of the goal. That hey, you'll hear back within an hour, and then when that that guy follows up quickly and promptly, we want them delivering just the, the top notch, friendly customer service, and people can usually hear it because they're getting a, a degreed wildlife biologist who knows what they're talking about, and and all the time we're hearing 
you know, hey, we talked to three companies, we talked to five companies, but y'all just spent way more time with us, or you sound way more knowledgeable, like you know what you're talking about. Or then once we set up the appointment, we're there at the house and say, yeah, somebody just kind of walked around and gave us this quote, and y'all spent like an hour and a half, two hours climbing all over my house and roof and attic and really gave us a detailed report, spent time with us explaining everything. And so that's what, that's really our goal is just that friendly, you know, our kind of little motto is honest, friendly, professional wildlife control. So that's our, our three, you know, key things that if we always hone in on and do all those things well, internally and externally, we should be delivering that quality customer service and that personal level of, of attention. That's great. I mean, that's that, and building on that culture is what's made you successful and, and sticking with it. So that's that's cool. Well, there you have it, Ag. So if you have birds, bees, critters, or gators that are in your house or in your company building, make sure that you reach out to Jared and his team to uh, to have them help you. So thank you so much, Jared, for spending your time and really letting us learn a little bit more about you, about your culture, and what it takes to succeed. Yes. Thank y'all for having me on very much. Well, how about that, Ags? Was that awesome or what? There were some super valuable hacks that Jared shared with us. And what was your favorite, Greg? Well, Chris, my favorite, and I think that you you liked it as well because you picked up and and asked a couple (laughs) questions on it, but actually it talked about diversification of how he attracted his clients. And, And as a banker, you know, being able to diversify whatever it is, you know, your cash flow, your client base, your reliance on any suppliers, being able to have that diversification really helps businesses have staying power for the long time. And for for Jared and his team to realize that that an avenue that they used in order to attract clients while it was really, really good. But if they became too reliant upon it, it could pose a risk or a threat to them down the line. I was really taken back of, of how he applied that uh, that concept and to say, okay, I need to make I mean I need to make my client flow diversified so that I can be to have staying power. What about you, Chris? What what was your favorite takeaway? Well, I was going to go with that one, but you stole it. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's that's great. I I 100% agree with that one. You know, mine is really based around his culture. I really loved mm, that yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. that even as he's grown from city to city, that the culture of his company has remained the same, and that's I think key with major growth of companies. If you have a vision for a company, you have to be able to tell that company, the rest of the employees of that company, and express exactly how you want them to re- interact with with their customers and their clients. You know, and I loved how he kept it to where it's he he said it at some point. You know, I, I didn't want it to be non salesy, right? Mm-hmm. That we had true experts coming into your house and telling you exactly what's wrong and how that how they can fix that. And I I love love that. You know, and wish that that so many companies would do that and put the true experts at the front lines, you know, on that, those sales tasks. So I love that about his company. And and he didn't talk much about it, but that's got to be an expensive proposition, a value proposition for him, you know, versus having an expert that maybe goes and oversees a couple people that actually show up, but, but to have someone educated, to have a, an actual degree in biology, wildlife management, fisheries, something like that, that's got to be more expensive, but it is such a differentiator. And probably harder, honestly, to hire for because how many wildlife <laughs> biologists are going to want to do sales, right? I mean, so that's that's got to be a little bit different stance on that. But once they're trained, once they understand how to how to 
you know, write up an estimate, I guess, and, and, you know, let the clients know that, Hey, this is what it's going to cost to get rid of this problem. It's probably pretty easy after that. Yeah. And, but that's also what we talked about with him afterwards is always needed to find new people. So yeah, that that's great. Solid takeaway. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Aggie Growth Hacks. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you'll leave us a rating on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbeam, wherever you found us. Four or five stars would be really great. It'd be able to allow us to kind of get Aggie Growth Hacks out. We'd also love you to check out our website at aggiegrowthhacks.com, where you can hear all of our past episodes, connect with Chris and I, and also check out our monthly hack shops, where we tackle some of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs have, and then we talk to an expert and take a deep dive dive and actionable advice. Aggie Growth Hacks was produced by fellow Aggies Kyle Ackerman and Ben Wiggins with Podcast Architects. We'd also want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship at Texas A&M University. Since 1999, the McFerrin Center for Entrepreneurship has served as the hub of entrepreneurship for Texas A&M. If you're an Aggie entrepreneur or even a entrepreneur, head over to their website and find a program that's right for you. So join us next time when we connect with another great Aggie entrepreneur and learn how they hack their growth. Until then, I'm Chris Hunter. And I'm Greg Martin. Thanks and gig em.